Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Nick Polaka. Nick, uh, something I think some people know is that I'm from New Jersey, and you are also from New Jersey. Uh, would you mind if I uh, quoted one of our favorite fellow New Jerseyans to start this episode of the podcast? Please do. All right. Do you hear that? It's 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 great so far. I can't I can't hear it. And now the season's here. Is Penn State good? Well, I'm uncertain. Did you get the music in the background for the full like effect, or was it just like silence? Literally, literally did not hear a single second of the music. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, well, listen. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't know if Penn State's going to be particularly good this season, but this season is here after last year's four and five campaign the Penn State Nittany Lions finally get back onto the football field on Saturday uh, heading to Camp Randall Stadium in Madison Wisconsin to take on the Wisconsin Buckeyes as a top 20 matchup Penn State number 19 Wisconsin number 12 it should be one hell of a game Nick but before we talk about the game at all I, I just want to know after last year and where Penn State is right now, just how we feel in heading into this 2021 campaign? I I think it's a little unfair to completely forget everything that happened in the 2020 season because, you know, everybody dealt with what happened in the 2020 season. Like, it wasn't specific to anybody. But I, I still am very much of the mindset that I really think 2020 was a blip for Penn state. I think when you just, when you factor in one, it really does seem like James Franklin, perhaps more than other coaches in the country really did take COVID seriously. And I, I, I am thinking that the team had pretty strict rules around it, around practice and all that. But aside from that, just the fact that they lost Micah Parsons, they lost journey Brown, both unexpectedly brought in the new offensive coordinator to install what seemed to be like, a pretty significantly different looking system. You know, there's so many reasons to be able to look at last year and call it a blip. The one positive being that because of kind of the stakes and the stakes of last season and just the way things turned, they got a lot of experience for a lot of really young players. And honestly, I feel really good about this season. I think the roster is in a really good, well, mostly in a really good place. Um, But I'm feeling pretty optimistic. I'm feeling pretty positive. It's weird because you did kind of hit the nail on the head, which was that last year was a season where even beyond. So that's the that's the big thing you mentioned the pandemic and how everyone dealt with that. You mentioned how James Franklin approached it and how serious he took it. Well, it's very, very much even from a beyond a football perspective, the dude just wasn't around his family for however long because of how seriously he was taking uh, COVID and precautions that needed to be taken because of uh, a health condition that one of his daughters had. But when you put that stuff with the stuff that I think we can kind of forget that was related to COVID, but you know, not directly, stuff like Micah Parsons opting out, Journey Brown opting out, the, the best player that Penn State had on both sides of the football 
Journey Brown didn't opt out, uh, were unable to play that season in Penn State when we were in that like a month before the season began. The, everything that with the uh, turnover that went from Kurt, uh, Ricky Ronnie to Kirk Shiraka, like it just seemed like everything was a little bit off and that it was one thing being a little bit off and then another thing being a little bit off. And it was maybe 20 things being a little bit off. But when you put them all together in the aggregate, you get a real disaster of a season. And we saw that more or less last year. Uh, and that's kind of that, – that's the big question to me. Uh, do Would you agree with this? The big question facing Penn State this season is they have to prove that everything that you and I just said about last season being such an anomaly and all the little things specific to last season – that we think went wrong were actually specific to last season and are not, you know, signs that something deeper is running through this program and is going to be an actual problem for the 2021 campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cause if you look at back at last season and, you know, take out the context and just look at what they did on the football field, there wasn't really a lot to be terribly encouraged by. Like I know, um, Matt just put up on the site uh, a post about the, I think it was the 13 most important numbers heading into next season. And most of them are numbers about last year's team that were troublesome. I mean, last year they averaged 3.9 yards a carry. They turned the ball over once every 41.7 plays. They allowed 3.11 sacks per game. They only had 23 receptions for guys not named Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington. They uh, only scored 19 red zone touchdowns. They had 181 rushing attempts for their quarterbacks. I know that one's a little flawed because of Will Levis, but yeah, there's just a lot and only 22 sacks as a defense. Like there's a lot of numbers from last year's team that would sig- typically signify troubling trends, especially because it's not like, yeah, they lost their best two players, but it's not like the Penn State roster is direct of did I use that word right? Is that word direct? Uh, I think you're thinking of bereft. bereft. I was like, yeah, I was going to say derived, and then I was thinking bereft, and then I combined them. So that's a new word I'm going to use. Um, Don't do that. <laughs> they're like, there's Those are a lot of troubling numbers for a roster as talented as Penn State's, but when you consider all the exterior factors that were uh, kind of driving a lot of those big changes and lack of production – you know, it, it it's it leaves me in a place where I'm willing to say, OK, if these things are a problem again in 2021, then I will say, OK, there is a major problem here. But, um, you know, if they are willing to put some of those troubling numbers and troubling trends behind them, then I think that's a pretty good sign that we can call last season a wash. But, you know, we like you said, we do have to actually see them improve on those things for sure. Yeah, I, it's it. That's what makes this season, I think, so exciting, but also makes this season potentially so troublesome. Like, let's say, you know, we've spoken at length about how this season, the first month and a half is just a meat grinder. Let's say Penn State gets through that stretch and they have one or two wins. All of a sudden, like, I don't think that's going to happen. I can see the circumstance where that happens. It just seems very unlikely. But all of a sudden, we're talking about a program that is that has arrived at a bit of a crossroad, and we have to figure out what Penn State is in that situation. And 
that's where that's where any sense of nervousness I have stems from. The good news is, like you mentioned, there is talent on this roster. I don't think that they are going to. Uh, what's the? How, how do I want to phrase this? I don't. I, I think they're going to be in much better position to not have losses pile one on top of the other like they did at the start of last season. I feel like they're probably going to be much, 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 much better prepared heading into this year. A lot of my concerns, Nick, stem more from the fact that they're playing a very good football team week one. So before we dive into the game, just some general thoughts. We kind of did this on our pod, breaking down Penn State's schedule. But what are just your general thoughts on Penn State's opening game of the season being a trip to one of the toughest venues in the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, obviously not ideal having to go to Camp Randall week one. Um, all, you know, all the things that we say about um, all the things that we say about Penn State's game with Auburn and how we talk about how it's going to be really difficult for Auburn and Bo Nix to deal with the whiteout crowd as their first road game in with fans in over a year. Uh, but it's going to be a similar story for Penn State. You know, they they also haven't played in front of fans in a while, and now they're going to have to go to Camp Randall. That That is a difficult place to play, notoriously one of the more difficult places to play in the Big Ten. Um, you know, it's it's not ideal. It's I, I, I don't think the Badgers are as scary of an opponent as they appear to be, you know, just by the name Wisconsin, but it's definitely not ideal to have to go there week one, for sure. Uh, quick aside, have you looked at uh, Auburn's first month of the season? I know their first two game. It's their first two games are like oh, I can't remember who. I think one of them was Kent State, actually. Akron, and then Alabama State, and then trip to Penn State, and then okay. Georgia State, trip to LSU, and then Georgia. So that that'll be really funny. Uh, a three and three Auburn team that is real, actually not particularly good, but uh, I don't want to, I I knew they played one go-to Penn state opponent between Akron and Kent state. I just couldn't remember which one you, you you knew they played a generic Mac school. You just weren't sure which generic Mac school they were. Exactly. So looking at this game from the beginning, I think if there's one thing that we can say about Wisconsin, one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence going into it, uh, it's that Wisconsin is such an institution. Wisconsin is such a, like, you're never going to go into Camp Randall and all of a sudden Wisconsin is running the air raid and throwing a 46 defense, 46 defense out there. Like, you know what Wisconsin is going to want to do on both sides of the football. You know that on offense, they're going to want to run the ball between that offensive line where everyone is somehow like 6'5 and 340, you know that they're never going to try to throw the football in such a way that they're going to be a danger to themselves. Every time Wisconsin throws the football, it's going to be really smart throws, really effective throws, throws that aren't meant to necessarily take the top off a defense, but just to beat you in that death by a thousand cuts way on the other side of the ball, you know, they're going to be playing that three, four, you know, they're going to be bringing pressure off the edges. They're going to be blitzing with their linebackers, all those sorts of things. So this game, you know, I think Indiana last year, starting off at Indiana, that was a team where it was up and coming. They had something to prove. 
I think we were all probably a little bit surprised. Well, not probably. We were all a little bit surprised at just how good that Indiana team was. This time, there's no question about what Wisconsin is, what Wisconsin is going to be, and what Wisconsin is going to do. Part of me wonders if that's the reason why James Franklin has had success in both of his games against Wisconsin, because they're never going to come out there and they're never going to pull something out of their back pocket that just completely catches you by surprise. This game is 110% about are you able to execute your game plan and are you going to know what Wisconsin wants to do and how to respond to that? And can you execute within the, in the confines of that? If Penn State could do that, they have a chance to win this game, Nick, but we won't give things away just yet. I'm a little pessimistic about Penn State's chances in this one. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, the blessing and the curse of playing Wisconsin, and really, honestly, any of the Big Ten West teams, is that they are what they are. They are going to be very good at that thing that they always do. They're rarely going to kind of bottom out, but the positive side of that is you know exactly what they are. We have seen worse Penn State teams beat better Wisconsin teams, and that, like that. I mean, you know, like the thing with Wisconsin is, you know, we know exactly what they're going to do. There's not there's not going to be any surprises when Penn State walks into Madison on Saturday. But that same kind of rationale, that same kind of logic is also reason to be afraid of the Badgers because because of the way they play and because their style is so consistent and has been so consistent for so long. I think it's pretty common that it takes them less time to work their way into the season than it does teams like Penn state. Yeah, no, that's like, that was the thing thing that like you ever do the thing in your head when you replay a conversation that you just had and you're like, Oh, I wish I say that. That was the exact thing that I wish I said. Like while Penn state's going to know what Wisconsin wants to do. Well, obviously Wisconsin's going to know what they want to do and they're going to be able to go out there and do that. I think very, very efficiently and very, very effectively. But beyond that, Nick, just from a Penn State point of view, we talked about getting Wisconsin early and just what that means for Penn State, or getting Wisconsin early and what that means for like how Penn State can approach this. Is there anything else that, you know, as we're heading into this game, just general broad thoughts before we dive into uh, both sides of the football? Um, not, not particularly. I I do want to just reiterate the point and I'll probably bring this up again, but you know, again, it's as much as Penn state and Penn state fans probably don't want to be playing. Well, I'm not sure the team itself is upset about playing Wisconsin. That's a kind of a big first, first week game that kind of gets you a little more in for the season. They seem like they're like, you know, you're going to be excited for any game when you're at a school like Penn state and you have that standard, but they seem like they I think Jahan Dotson had some quote of like, we're tired. That team that you saw last season, that wasn't us. We're tired. We want to get out there and hit somebody. Yeah. And Franklin talked about how they've never done like a countdown clock to the first game of the season before, but they did it for Wisconsin this year because this is not a normal, this is not a normal first game for Penn state. I don't, man, I don't, I don't remember the last time they played a marquee opponent in week one. I mean, Indiana ended up turning into that. Well, that, yeah. cer- that certainly wasn't the case. But, but that wasn't the No, no, exactly. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm so actually going to make this my been, homework assignment real quick. Go keep going. Yeah, but you know, as much as Penn State fans don't want to be playing Wisconsin, Wisconsin fans don't want to be playing Penn State. They're going to have a little a little more comfort knowing that it's at home for them, but it's not like Penn State is a team that you want to be playing. I think everybody everybody and their mother knows that Penn State underachieved last year. Like that that is not a fact that is lost on fans um even fans of other teams like everybody knows that they did not play to their potential and i don't think any opposing fan is walking into this college football season thinking that penn state or expecting that penn state is going to be a sub 500 team again like that's just not going to happen um so you know i i think that's an important factor to remember too that this is a difficult game for penn state but it is also a difficult game for Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, while while you were saying that, I was going back to every game Penn State has played to start the season since 2003. This is the first time Penn State has, since at least 2003, I mean, that's just what ESPN's back wall goes to. This is the first time since then that Penn State has played a ranked team week one. They obviously had Indiana the first game last year. Uh, They had that game a few years ago against Appalachian State, that instant classic that I never want to watch again for as long as I live. They had that game against UCF where they went to Ireland. But Penn State has not, at least in the last, you know, 18 years, played a ranked team week one. Who did they play in 2003? In 2003, they started... Or is that just... That's just how far back ESPN goes. They started that season with uh, some some team called to play. I've never heard of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they ended up, so this is the first time Penn state's been in this situation in at the very least 19 years. This is a really fun test. Like Penn state normally likes to beat up on somebody the first week or two of the year, uh, and then play some, you know, someone that pushes them a little bit, but that's part of what made last year such a weird way to start the season. I mean, I'm looking through this again right now. James Franklin came in in 2015, uh, 2014, rather. They started that season 4-0. 2015, they started that season without loss to a, a Temple team that ended up being, you know, exceptional and then won their next five. 2016, they obviously started 2-2 two and two before ripping off a bunch of years. Wins since then, in 2017, they started the season winning their first seven. 2018, they started the season winning their first four. 2019, they started the season winning their first eight. Penn State's just not a team that gets these kind of major tests early on in the season. And, like, I don't know, Nick, now that we're talking about it, I think I'm getting a little more fired up about it. Yeah, it's fun. Like, this is a fun way to start the season. It, I wish they would play marquee opponents week one more often. Like, it's there's just the start to the season is a lot more fun when you get to immediately go in and be rooting for and watching a big game instead of watching Penn state play, you know, Akron or yeah. Pitt or, Oh, Oh, did I say that? Ooh. Oh yeah. Don't, don't be mean to Akron. Nick. Yeah. That's unfair but, to them. But at the same time, time, like let's face it. There's also a bit of a selfish motive behind this where I think, I obviously like any Penn state fan, I wouldn't be happy if Penn state loses, but I'd much rather if they're going to lose to Wisconsin, they do that in say week one, than I don't know, week 11. And that possible, you know, there's still time for them to build off of this and learn from this. You know what I mean? So I'm not, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So like this game's going to be fun. 
just the fact that it is happening is fun. Those nerves are also like excitement, all these various things. Let's talk about the game a little bit, Nick. And we're going to start with, we're going to break this down when Penn State has the ball, when uh, Wisconsin has the ball. Start by what are you looking out for when Penn State has the ball and the Nittany Lions are going out there against a Wisconsin defense that was fourth in SP plus last year? Yeah, so I think a couple of things. One, I'm curious to see if Penn State is able to run the ball against the Badgers because they were a very good rushing defense last year, and I'm assuming they will be again. You know, Jack Sanborn's back. Leo, how do you say his name? Leo Chanel is back. Um, so. Yeah, I mean they they lose. Uh, what's his face? The louder milk, but you know, I mean it's Wisconsin. They're going to be able to defend the run, and I'm curious to see one how effective Penn State is able to run the ball with, I assume, mostly Noah Kane. Um, and I'm also curious to see how, you know, how much they stick to it. Like, if they're not having much success early, how much are they going to press in that part of the game? Um, but more than anything, I'm just interested, I'm interested to see Sean Clifford. And I'm curious to see what the passing attack looks like and what areas of the field he is mostly looking to go after. Um, uh, we talked on our previous pod about how back in 2019, Clifford really, really went after the deep part of the field quite a bit, um, especially with KJ Hamler and how that evaporated a little bit in 2020. So I'm curious to see where, you know, just where, where are Clifford's eyes most often and, you know, little things like just watching his, watching his feet and his footwork and seeing how well the line holds up and, I mean, yeah, it really, most of my interest lies in what the passing part of this offense will look like against a defense that is stronger against the run than the pass, but, you know, it's Wisconsin. They'll be able to defend in all ways. My interest stems from just looking at Wisconsin's depth chart on defense. It goes across its front, redshirt senior, junior, redshirt junior. Linebackers, sophomore, redshirt senior, junior, redshirt senior, secondary, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior. So we have lamented about this, Nick, and you just mentioned it in your little, uh, in what fascinates you. The lack of big plays is something that it's very obvious to me. James Franklin missed that from Penn State football last year. I mean, it was something that, we heard him mention on a few occasions Penn State's inability to make those sorts of big plays. But the two things that we know James Franklin likes to keep an eye on, at least when it comes to the offense, is are you able to win the turnover battle? Are you able to get enough big plays? And when I look at this Wisconsin defense, it is like tailor-made to not be the kind of defense that you could get game-breaking stuff against. They have veteran guys at every level of the defense. Uh, Pro Football Focus put out its preseason uh, All-Big Ten team, and they had uh, second-team interior defensive lineman in Keanu Benton, a pair of second-team linebackers in Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel and a third teamer in Theon Hicks in the flex D position. So Wisconsin's going to have a lot of guys who are not going to be fooled by what Penn State wants to do, who are going to be designed if Penn State takes those high risk, high reward shots 
to be able to shut them down, to prevent those from happening, and to keep Penn State from getting the kinds of plays that I think we all want Penn State to be able to pull off this season. So for me, it's can Penn State respond to that? Does Penn State keep trying to do those sorts of things, even though Wisconsin is going Wisconsin's defense in front is going to get into the backfield. Wisconsin's secondary is going to stay very disciplined. They're going to be able to move things around and confuse Sean Clifford before the snap. And does Penn State keep trying to go after that stuff anyway? I don't know. Does Penn State decide, all right, we're not going to be getting that. We're not going to be able to take the top off of this defense. Let's just ride our running backs this game. Let's have Sean run it when he can and when he has to throw it, it's eight yards to Brenton Strange, it's eight yards to Jahan Dotson, it's eight yards to Parker Washington, that sort of thing. And I think that'll be a really good way to guide how this is going to go, because if Penn State is able to get the stuff it wants to get, I think it's going to look really, really, really good for the Nittany Lions in their, you know, in their attempts to put points on the board. And with this game, uh, are there any players, you know, other than Sean Clifford, because we're you know, we're always going to point to Sean Clifford, who really interests you uh, on Penn State's offense as we're heading into this one. Yeah, I think the first one for me is Parker Washington. Uh, We saw, obviously, he had a huge freshman year last year, um, but he is probably going to be the guy that has the most opportunities to make plays against the Wisconsin defense. Uh, Just like you said, you know, unless you're side Blacknell and Wisconsin's breaking coverage is deep. You typically don't beat the Badgers on deep balls and long plays like that through the air. But the way you can generate big plays against them is by, you know, scheming your guys open and getting your playmakers the ball in space. And for Penn State, one of those key guys is Parker Washington. I think he's going to have a little bit of space over the middle because for as good as Sanborn and Schnall are, they're more great because they can clean up basically everything in front of them. I wouldn't call them the best. Uh, I wouldn't call them like the premier pass coverage linebackers in the conference. So, you know, if, 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 uh, if Sa- I said Saunders, I'm already thinking about Caden, Caden Saunders for the next few years. Man, uh, when- I, so I think I've mentioned this to you. I now live, you know, probably 15 minutes away from where Saunders goes to school. I cannot wait to go catch one of those two's games. Yeah, he's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see when he gets when he gets here to see kind of what they do with him and Parker Washington (laughs) together. Uh, But yeah, so Parker Washington's one. I think he's going to find some space over the middle. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's the leading receiver on the day. And then I think the other guy I'm really watching for, uh, like you mentioned, you mentioned his name is Brenton Strange, kind of for the same reasons. I think, yes. All right. Mariners just finished a one nothing shutout over the Astros. Let's go. Um uh, if there's one thing that Nick and I can agree on in professional sports, it is that the Houston Astros stink. The Mariners just shut out the Astros two days in a row. I'm not sure the last time the Astros got shut out in back-to-back games. So you're Seattle Mariners, ladies and gentlemen. Well, if they run um, into the Yankees during the playoffs, it will happen to them there. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so Brenton Strange, for the same reasons as Parker Washington, more or less. I just those are the types of players that will have typically have the most opportunities against defenses like Wisconsin and Iowa and Northwestern. You know that it's just that type of game that like you know eight to fourteen yard passing game range. Um, so those are two guys I think Penn State fans should be looking out for to have big games on Saturday. So I don't disagree with 
either of the, any of those. But I'm going to go in a slightly different direction and say the guy that interests me the most is Mike Miranda because Miranda is going to be taking over the center job this year after that was Michael Menett's post for however long. And he's going to be taking it over on the road in a loud, raucous stadium against a team that is going to have a zero technique, that big old nose tackle in Keanu Benton lining up directly across from him with a defense that's going to be moving guys around, that's going to be trying to catch them off guard pre-snap. And oh, by the way, it sounds like Penn State's going to be going under center this year for the first time since Christian Hackenberg was in Happy Valley. So you put all that stuff together and being a brand new center seems like it's really going to stick. So I'm really interested in whether or not Mike Miranda is going to be able to help Sean Clifford out pre-snap as he's learning all these things about this position uh, and really getting used to this position, especially in a place that is just hell for centers. Like hearing things and seeing things in Camp Randall when that place is rocking is not particularly easy. And yet he's going to have to get all this stuff down on the fly. He's a really interesting guy for me as we're trying to figure out is this Penn State offense going to be able to keep its head a little bit? Because it, that's just going to be a really hard thing. And Sean Clifford having that little bit of extra help from a brand new center, I think is going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, moving over to the other side of the fo football, Nick, uh, Wisconsin's offense was not particularly stout last season. Uh, the Badgers were 43rd. Uh, in offensive SP+. Plus. If you want to know how bad that is, uh, Penn State's offense, which I think every single one of us hated watching last year, was 26th in offensive SP+. Plus. Uh, I learned in our conversation with uh, Jake and Drew, uh, gave us some insight into Wisconsin, that Graham Mertz, actually, their starting quarterback, actually hurt his shoulder uh, during, I think, their second or third game of the year and played with that. So that added, that opened my eyes up a little bit, but this Penn State defense, with how light it is along the defensive line, uh, going up against a big old beefy offensive line for Wisconsin, I have some concerns. What are you going to be looking out for when Penn State is on defense in this game? I think first and foremost, whether or not the defensive line is going to be able to create pressure without uh, linebackers or secondary players blitzing to help create that pressure. Um, you know, you mentioned Graham Mertz. We, we like you said, we we saw it. We played really well, obviously. He started last season 20 of 21. Um, but then he, I, th I think I remember hearing something about him getting hurt. Uh, it just wasn't really talked about that much. But you know, even with that, we don't really we still don't know who Graham Mertz is. One day against Illinois does not really tell the whole story of what he is or can be as a quarterback. So, you know, he's he's pretty much an unknown, I would say. But if Penn State is able is not able to put any pressure on him without leaving guys open, you know, I that's a recipe for disaster for any quarterback, let alone a quarterback with some significant arm talent with a team that can also run the ball presumably pretty effectively. I assume they'll be better at running the ball this year. So if the front four is not able to generate pressure, that would be 
that would be pretty that would that would set off alarm bells in my mind. So that's gonna be the main thing I'm watching for, whether it's Arnold Ebikiti or uh, Nick Tarburton off the edge or Hakeem Beeman, who we got confirmation has been on the interior the entirety of training camp. He's the size of Matt, two fans Matt, Matt Filipovitz is in shambles somewhere. Um, he he was yeah. actually like all jokes aside, he was actually really upset about this. <laughs> But yeah, you have this dude who's the size of defensive end. And we're not talking like a defensive tackle like Kevin Givens was an undersized defensive tackle. Hakeem Beeman is actually an undersized defensive tackle. So I'm really interested to see how they end up using him and how much he actually how much he actually plays. Like I'm curious to see where in the rotation he is. So for me, I'm actually it's funny. It's kind of counterintuitive because what I just mentioned about the concern I have about Penn State's front against a big old Wisconsin offensive line that has a pair of third-team tackles and a first-team guard, uh, according to uh, PFF, and you know, going left to right, it is redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt sophomore, redshirt freshman, redshirt senior. I'm actually fascinated in this Wisconsin passing game. Because what we just mentioned about Mertz and how solid of a player he was uh, before he ended up getting banged up. He's just an accurate quarterback. He's a smart quarterback. Uh, I don't like I think he's better than what we expect, uh, you know, copy and paste Wisconsin quarterback, not named Russell Wilson to be in here. I obviously don't think he's Russell Wilson by any stretch of the imagination, but that's neither here nor there. He's a guy who's played a bunch of football. He's a guy who's been in their system for quite a while. He's not the kind of guy who I think is going to be completely caught off guard by a really fast, really talented, really aggressive Penn State defense. This Wisconsin passing game, though, has some really good options. They have Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis Jr., a pair of guys who have played a lot of football for Wisconsin. They both dealt with injuries last season. Uh, But the year before that, both of them, again, Played a whole heck of a lot of football. Davis caught uh, 30 balls for 250 yards for them last season. Prior wasn't quite as productive, 23 to 78. But two guys who know what they're doing out there. And add in Jake Ferguson, who very well might be the best tight end in the Big Ten. A guy who last season did put up... Uh, some numbers and did play a good amount of football, 30 catches, 305 yards and four touchdowns in seven games. And again, I don't think Wisconsin is going to come out running the air raid or anything like that, but this could be a strength on strength battle. This could be a uh, solid, capable passing attack against a Penn state back seven that I know you and I Nick, are both really, really excited to watch this season. I want to see how, Tariq Castro-Fields bounces back after a rough year last year. I want to see how uh, Joey Porter Jr. builds on his breakout campaign last year. I want to see how guys like uh, Curtis Jacobs and Brandon Smith are able to take that next step forward in their progression as players, which I think involves getting a lot more comfortable against the pass. So that's fascinating to me. Are there any players on Penn State's, you know, we won't talk about uh, guys on Wisconsin's offense. Any players on Penn State's defense who you are particularly interested in watching during this game? 
Yeah, I mean, Beeman is one, but I already talked about him. The other guy I really am excited to watch is uh, Joey Porter Jr. Because we saw him play really, really well in 2020. But, you know, it was a somewhat abbreviated campaign for him. I don't remember exactly what week he got hurt. But, um, you know, it wasn't a full season. And obviously it was only his first season getting some legitimate run on the field anyway. So we we have talked about how immense his potential is and how well he did play when he was healthy in 2020. So I'm really interested to see how that translates to him in 2021. Another year older, another year in the system. Typically, that means better things. And he has been tabbed by, you know, a lot by us, but also by other people in the know in in the Big Ten at large, by somebody who could be a potential all-conference type performer. And you know, Graham Mertz, like you mentioned, it's it's not the air raid, but Graham Mertz is there to throw the football like he has the arm talent to be a very good quarterback. So he is not just going to be someone who wants to stand back there and hand the ball off every play. He's going to throw the ball. And one of the guys he's going to be throwing at is Joey Porter Jr. There really isn't a weak link on this defense. So it's not like they're going on the secondary. Excuse me. So they're not going to just pour passes in one direction necessarily. So. Anytime I see the ball in the air going towards Joey Porter, Joey Porter Jr. side, I'm going to be watching very intently and very excitedly, honestly. I'm going to go with a guy that I don't think we've given a ton of – like, we all know he's a good player, but I don't think he's a guy who has gotten a ton of attention this year, and that's P.J. Mustafer. He is the carryover – what, the main carryover from last year's Penn State defensive line with the team having to replace its top three defensive ends, uh, and they're not really being that one consistent defensive tackle next to him. I was actually looking, and PFF's uh, preseason All-Big Ten team, their interior de- defensive linemen, they have Derek Tangelo on here. They don't have P.J. Mustafer, which really surprises me because I think Mustafer is an exceptional football player. I think against a team like Wisconsin – where you know that they are going to have them big old hog mollies up front. And you know that even though we talked about their passing game, everything starts and ends with them running the football, you need to be able to get that kind of interior pressure. You need to be able to win battles uh, against their defensive line, uh, offensive line. You need to be able to do that stuff and make it easier for pass rushers to be able to get home, to speed Graham Mertz up a little bit, to make it so... Uh, you know, the five, six, seven yard runs that Wisconsin can build its offense around turn into two, three, four yard runs. And they're not able to just nickel and dime you all the way down the field. A guy like Mustafer is huge in doing that. And plus, he's just like a guy that I trust. And they don't have a ton of those on that defensive line. I mean, you look at the guys that Penn State has up front, Derek Tangelo, Austin Ebiquete, Two guys who have played a lot of football but not played it at Penn State. Hakeem Beeman, talented youngster. How does he do now that he is getting more opportunity out on the field? Uh, Nick Tarburton, another guy kind of like that if he can stay healthy. Uh, Fred Hansard played a lot of football. has never really grasped a tackle position and made it his own. And then guys like Amin Vanover, Zariah Fisher, Smith Vilbert, Jesse Lukita, whatever – there are a ton of question marks, and there is one known commodity, and to me, that is P.J. Mustafer. And it's going to be incumbent on him to kind of set the bar for the rest of this Penn State defensive line. 
I'm not worried about the defensive backfield all that much. I'm not worried about the linebackers all that much. But the difference between Penn State being a nice team and a really, really good team is if quarterbacks aren't able to sit back there in the pocket and have all day to throw and offensive lines aren't able to just win battles from the time the snap happens and it makes it easier to run the football against them. And I think Mustafer is going to play a really big role in whether or not Penn State is able to do that. Uh, but despite that, Nick, there are a lot of really good players on this Wisconsin team. It's a classic Wisconsin football team. Are there any guys on that team that really worry you as Penn, on either side of the football as Penn State heads into this game? I think one of them, by the way, really quick, uh, the there have been two other times in the last six years the Astros have been shut out twice in a row. The first was July 9th and 10th of this year by the Yankees, and the last one before that was May 1st and 2nd, 2018, also by the Yankees. So kudos the, to you. Wait, I, also uh, by the Yankees? Okay. Yeah, both by the Yankees. I, so, you know, kudos to you. Um, uh, the first one, I think, is uh, somebody you mentioned already, Jake Ferguson. I think he is, you know, Danny Danny Davis is a really talented pass. They actually have some a sneaky good receiver core. Um, but Jake Ferguson, I think, is the guy that is probably the scariest to me. Um, you know, after I, I kind of I'd like to omit the quarterbacks in this discussion because it's kind of obvious. But um Ferguson uh, uh, real, is really real, good. Real, real quick, uh, just talking quarterbacks, did you see the quote that uh, Sean Clifford gave today? No. Enlighten me. He said, I'm the most confident quarterback in the country. Let's cook, Sean. Let's go, baby. <laughs> that'd be great. I'm, <laughs> I'm here for that. That'd be, that'd be back to 2019, Sean. You know, 2020, Sean had happy feet on, on every play. Clearly didn't have his confidence. So, you know, that's great. Also, <laughs> good Good for you and your self-assessment, Sean Clifford. Way to be. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, oh, you haven't watched Ted Lasso, but there's so the the one player like the like the Cristiano Ronaldo type, like the the pretty boy, the do it all himself individual type player. He he's walking out of the locker room one day after practice and his girlfriend is trying to decide like for a photo shoot whether she wants to sign up to be dress up as like the lion or the panda. And they're just asking random people, lion or panda, lion or panda. And they ask him and he says, and they ask him, lion or panda. He says, coach, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else but me? And and Ted Lasso, Jason Dake is like, you know, I don't think you realize how emotionally healthy that actually is. (laughs) That that's, I feel like that's Sean Clifford right now. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) I'm into it, but uh, yeah, uh, continue. Uh, Apologies for, uh, uh, apologies for, uh, interrupting you but i figured you'd have some fun with that one yeah yeah no and apologies for my uh attempt at a jamie tart accent there those of you who watch the show um yeah so jake ferguson is one obviously he's a really really good tight end uh he's somebody who is going to stress brandon smith and curtis jacobs in coverage and i know for a lot of us watching penn state's defense that's one of the big things we want to see this year like you mentioned is how what kind of steps have they taken in their progression in pass coverage uh and then the other guy i think is jack sanborn you know he's one of the best linebackers in the big 10 He's the kind of guy that's going to be all over the field. He's not going to let you make – he's not going to give you anything easy. You're going to have to earn every yard you get against him. Um, you know, not not all that dissimilar to, like, Josie Jewell from Iowa a few years ago. Um, so, you know, he's just a really good player. He's going to be someone that the run game is going to have problems with. Um, 
but really excited to see him and Noah Kane meet one-on-one in the open field. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Sanborn and I'm going to say Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel just as a one, two punch, because I think that with everything, you know, everything I mentioned about Mike Miranda and everything that we know about Sean Clifford, I think those two, those two are both going to be real good in the chess match, especially Sam Sanborn is just like an exceptional football player. Uh, I think that he is going to that again, it's going to be a matter of playing chess against Sean Clifford and Mike Miranda, and I think they are going to be quite good at it. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, you mentioned Ferguson. I'm not going to say anything else other than that dude is a monster. And you know, we've seen with Pat Fryermuth, we've seen with Mike Gesicki how a tight end could be a quarterback's best friend, how a good tight end could be a quarterback's best friend. And Wisconsin certainly has one of those. Uh, Nick, it's about that time. Uh, let's make some predictions. ESPN's FPI has there's a 57.3% chance Wisconsin has this football game, wins this football game. Our friends out in the desert have Wisconsin minus five and a half with an over-under of 50. Uh, our pal Bill Conley uh, by SP Plus has Wisconsin 27, Penn State 23. Uh, by all accounts, this seems like a game that people think is going to be a real close game. What are you thinking with the prediction? What do you think about that five and a half number? And do you think Penn State's going to be able to pick up a win in Camp Randall? So I feel like I've alluded to my thoughts on this game pretty well throughout the course of this podcast, but I feel pretty good about this for Penn State. Now, there we've talked about all the things that are going against them. Wisconsin is typically a team that starts the year. Um, I mean, not fast. Wisconsin doesn't really do anything fast, but they start the year on level ground. They start the year knowing what they're doing. Um, starting on the road at Camp Randall, not ideal. We still have a lot of questions about Penn State, particularly Sean Clifford and what the offense looks like. But I, I used this line earlier in the podcast. We have seen worse Penn State teams beat better Wisconsin teams. I think this is just one of those things. James Franklin, as a coach, understands what he has to do to beat Wisconsin. It's it's the the give and take of playing the team that doesn't change their scheme ever. Like we, They know what they are. They know what they have to deal with. They know what they have to do to win. I think that Penn State wins this game in an in exact reverse of what uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus ratings have. This. I think Penn State wins this game 27-23 going away. Uh, you are a bit more optimistic than I am. Uh, to me – the way that Wisconsin plays, uh, the way they are going to push Penn State from the jump, where this game is taking place, uh, and then just the sheer fact that there is certainty about Wisconsin that I think Penn State doesn't have. Like, despite the fact that Wisconsin likewise had a uh, subpar by their standard season last year, it feels to me that. Penn State's four and five year is under far more scrutiny than Wisconsin's four and three years. So I think Wisconsin wins this game. I think it is not a particularly fun game. Uh, I think it's something in the ballpark of 31-24. I think Wisconsin just is able 
to cover the spread. But the big thing for me is that I want to see Penn State show something. And I want to see Penn State look like a team that isn't still hung up on last year. And that's something I think they could do even if they end up losing this football game. I think they will, but I also think that we're not going to leave this game feeling like the entire season is doomed, which might have been the case uh, last year in the aftermath of the Indiana game. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Do you think I'm crazy? That is important. No, I don't. And I I forgot to mention this in mind. I I do not think this is going to be an aesthetically pleasing football game. I think it's going to be great for watching defense. But yeah, I think both offenses are going to struggle a bit with the opposing defense. So that's it for the Penn State game. Let's do a real quick run through of the Big Ten. We probably won't want to talk too terribly much about the various games on here because it's week one. Uh, And proof of that, uh, first game, Temple, Rutgers, Rutgers, 14 and a half point favorites over under 52. Nick, the ticket price game makes its debut in the first game of the season. What do you think? For those of you who are new to the podcast, the ticket price game is where I look at the cheapest ticket that is available on StubHub and Nick has to guess what it is. Nick, what do you think the cheapest ticket is for this game at uh, must have been the newly renamed SHI Stadium? Wait, did it have that name last year? I don't remember. Neither do I, but... Give me a sec. Uh, I, you, well, you, what was it before this? It was... Uh, it, it was a High Point Solution Stadium, no? That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me a sec. Okay. I'm trying to see. Um, okay, okay. so uh, 1994 to 2011, Rutgers Stadium. 2011 to 17, High Point Solution Stadium. 2018, 2019, Stadium. And now it is <laughs> um, SHI Stadium. Uh, listen, Rutgers, but real quick. You don't want to be that close to it to a word that means um, crappy in your team name when you win your stadium name when you are Rutgers. Someone naming stadiums after full website domain names is such an underused. It's great. <laughs> underused thing. And now, uh, yeah, God, God damn it. Rutgers, uh, Nick, take a price game. What do you think? Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, in Piscataway, you know, I feel like there's, there's more hype. You know, I'm hard to say. I'm not in New Jersey, so I, I can't I can't sample the local feel, but I feel like there is a little more hype around this program than normal with Shiano back. What, is this year is this year one or two of Shiano? I don't even remember. Two. Was he there last year? Okay, yeah. He, so year two of Shiano. They showed some positive signs last year. I mean they beat they beat Michigan, didn't they? I think they might have. Yeah. So um, I'm going to guess $12. Ooh, we are sorry. Uh, by Price is Right rules, you lose. It is $8. Uh, oh, that was my first instinct. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, that you know, shows how low our standards are for this game. Yeah. But that's not bad. Uh, any, any thoughts on the game itself? No, I think 14 points is probably too much of a spread for two below average teams. Yeah, um but yeah. Moving on to an actually interesting game. And Nick, I don't care about talking about the game here. I just want to talk about the point spread. Uh, uh, first, the Rutgers game was Thursday uh, at 6.30 p.m. on BTN. Thursday, 8 p.m., Fox, Ohio State heading to Minnesota. The spread is Ohio State minus 14. 
I think Ohio State might double that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I like I get why Minnesota will be better, should be better, but they were so bad last year that I'm like a hundred percent on the wait and see train for them. I I wouldn't be surprised if it was close. You know, Ohio State's dealing with their own stuff, right? Brand new quarterback an entirely brand new linebacker. I mean, not entirely. Their linebackers did play last year, but a entirely new set of three linebackers. Um, you know, guy Tyler Friday, they were counting on contributing a bit on the defensive line out for the year, but it's still Ohio State. They could roll out of bed and beat Minnesota by 20 points if they wanted to. I wouldn't be surprised if it was close at halftime, but yeah, I think Ohio State wins this game by like somewhere between... 24 or 20 to 30 points. Yeah, that seems fair. Uh, Friday, September 3rd, uh, 9 p.m. kick on ESPN Michigan State, heading to Evanston to play Northwestern. Northwestern three-point favorites. Do you have anything to say about this game, Nick? Whose idea do you think it was? It said, you know it would be great for a Friday night? At 9 Michigan State Northwestern. It, every, the people are chanting at the bit for it. <laughs> uh saturday we already talked about take, Penn take State. the under yes take, take the, the under over under is 46 take Doesn't the under matter. take the under uh saturday uh we already talked about the penn state game noon on fox uh also at noon on espn uh western michigan against michigan in ann arbor michigan line michigan by is a 17 point favorite i have zero thoughts about this game nick no i wouldn't be surprised western michigan covered though i mean Cade. I just don't think Cade McNamara is all it's that good. good. No, absolutely not. Hey, speaking so. of not all that good, uh, noon on BTN, Fordham travels to play Nebraska. There is no spread on this game. Uh, I think you are with me in that you want Fordham to win this football game. Uh, I mean, I did take Nebraska in my Big Ten Survivor Boo. pool. Yeah, I, look Coward. at the slate of games. Look at the slate of games. I kind of had to. Like My initial yes, instinct fair. was, my first two instincts were Rutgers and Michigan, but... I didn't really. I wasn't like a hundred percent confident in either of those. I, I, I'm pretty sure Nebraska can beat Fordham. I, I think I agree with you. Um, I hope not because again, that would be very funny. Uh, it would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, if this is how I lose the Big Ten Survivor Pool this year, totally okay with that. Uh, I forgot that Fordham's head coach. Oh no, it's not uh, Andrew Briner. Uh, former future Penn State offensive coordinator Andrew Briner. Uh, he uh, is not there. Interesting. Where where is he right now? Uh, well, oh, he he was at Eagles. He, he was at Mississippi Eagles. State with Moorhead. Yeah, he is now at FIU. He's uh, hmm. offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. Uh, Andrew, get your act together. You're going to be offensive coordinator in Happy Valley someday. Uh, actual true. good football game alert. 3:30 p.m. kick on BTN. Number 17 Indiana. Traveling to Kinnick to play number 18, Iowa line is Iowa minus three. Uh, Nick, I think Indiana, despite the fact that it's probably fair to think they're going to take a step back, probably a better football team. But I don't know if I'd wish an opening week kick, uh, an opening week trip to Kinnick on my worst enemy. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this a couple different times. My initial thought was, oh, I mean, easy money on Indiana there. I don't know if they'll win, but I'm pretty sure they'll keep it within four. And then I waffled back a little bit because I thought to myself, you know, I mean, it is Iowa at home. They're going to play good defense week one. But 
the thing I keep coming back to is, you know, it seems like Michael Penix is healthy. And if he's healthy, Michael Penix has a legitimate claim to best quarterback in the conference. So I have a hard time betting against that. But at the same time, you know, Indiana's Indiana is going to regress it. Like there is maybe not like record wise, but there is a lot of regression that is going to happen. They are not going to turn teams over at the incredible rate they did a year ago. So I am tempted. I, I think I'm going to settle on Indiana plus the points, but Iowa winning the game. That, that seems fair. I mean, I, 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 do you hear that or no, sorry. I had a fantasy football. I have a fantasy football draft starting in three minutes and I had a <laughs> loud Yahoo music. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Indiana put this game on a neutral field, put this game in a few weeks. And I'm going to feel a lot more different a lot better about Indiana, but you know, I'm just always going to be a little bit weary about someone going into Iowa. And, you know, we, we talked a second ago uh, about how Wisconsin, they know how they're going to want to play. They're a big advantage that they're going to have. It's just having such a set identity. Well, that's Iowa football to a T. And while I think Indiana, you know, Indiana brings back a ton of guys from last year, the big one, Michael Penix is going to be getting reintegrated to football, uh, they have, to kind of, they have all the pressure on them, I think, is the team that has to prove they weren't a one-year fluke. So I'm going to take Iowa to win that game. Uh, next up, a pair of games that are the exact same game. Uh, 3.30 p.m. on ESPN. West Virginia goes to Maryland. Line is WVU minus three. 7 p.m. on FS1. Oregon State goes to Purdue. Line is Purdue minus seven. I say they are the exact same game, Nick, because they are two matchups of power five teams, and I care about absolutely zero of the teams in this football game. Yep. Only thing I care about there is taking the over in the Oregon State Purdue game. That seems fair. And then the best game of the week, uh, the game that I know I'm going to be watching intently, uh, 7.30 p.m. kick on BTN, UTSA traveling to Champaign Supernova, Illinois to take on the Fighting Illini, the 1-0 Fighting Illini, which are five and a half point favorites. And Nick, do you know why I care so much about the results of this game? I do not. I'm do you, racking do you know, my brain. But. Do you know how funny it would be if UTSA was able to beat Illinois a week after Illinois beat Nebraska? Oh, well, yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, so let's. I, I think we're all going to end up rooting for that to happen, even if uh, even if that probably isn't. I mean, Illinois is probably going to win. Burt Ball is going to move to 2-0 on the year, but neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally here for Illinois – Aside from, we play Illinois. Penn State plays Illinois this year, don't they? Uh, da, 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 da. Yep, homecoming. Yeah, yeah. You know, aside that one, I'm totally here for Illinois doing big things in the West this year. Why not? Yeah, let's have a let's have a fun first year of Burt Ball in uh, Champaign. And let's have a fun first week of Penn State football, everyone. Nick, any final thoughts before I wrap up? I am ready for just a normal college football game with fans in the stands. I'm excited. Let's go. I'm excited for this season to begin, and I hope you are excited for this season to begin, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you subscribe to us on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. If you're an Apple podcast user, please go and give us a five-star review. Uh, Keep reading and supporting our site. Follow us on all of our various social media channels. And as always, make sure you are heading to our store and buying some shirts.
One last time, thank you for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Go State.